Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Well, good day, Moto America fans. This is Paul Carruthers, and this is Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. It's Moto America's weekly podcast. Uh, we do them at the races when we have races, and we do them from our homes when we don't. I'd like to say we have this elaborate podcast studio, but I can picture Sean sitting at his desk in Ohio, and I'm sitting at mine in Southern California. So it's not quite the elaborate uh, setup that you would imagine, but you know what? With today's technology, it, uh, it works out pretty darn good, and we don't have to live next to each other because somebody might get killed. So, Sean, how are you today? I'm good. I'm actually sitting at my uh, counter in the kitchen. That seems to be my place to be. For some reason, I spend most of my time out here. I think it's because it's clo closer to the diet mountain doing the refrigerator. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, but, that makes sense. I'm not that <laughs> I'm not that far away from the refrigerator, but uh, sad to say my refrigerator is pretty empty right now. So it's not doing me much good. But. Yeah. yeah, man. So, Paul, we got we got riders everywhere this weekend we had writers everywhere last weekend uh, we've had a couple people on social media saying well this is obvious that you guys don't have a long enough moto america season when these guys keep you know riding and i'm like no it's given our our riders a chance to ride in different areas to even in increase their skills even more you know so i think our season is long enough <laughs> yeah i think it's awesome it's uh it, it just makes it fun i mean we get to keep going with our season a little bit without you know actually doing it i mean we get to kind of live through them and you know we've got a couple of guys three guys in Australia and 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 some guys in England this weekend so it's it's kind of cool it keeps us involved in watching motorcycle stuff and I really like when MotoGP is in Australia I mean if you live in on in you know on my side of the country in that time zone it's uh it's pretty cool because we're actually watching the stuff you know in the evening eight nine o'clock right. ten o'clock at night and you know, normally, like when they're in Europe, it, I'm, I'm up at five in the morning trying to watch the stuff, you know, and it makes it a little more difficult. And I just like to watch it live. I don't know why I get a little antsy and I like to watch it live rather than on delay. So, but it's, uh, yeah, it's all good. I'm stoked. I'm, I hope the guys do well in England. Uh, I know the guys in Australia are going to do good and uh, it, it makes it, you know, it, and it's cool, but at this point, why don't we, um, I'm going to introduce, introduce today's guest. Um, she hasn't been on the show since April, which kind of surprised me because it seems like we just talked to her, but I think we've just been talking to her so much in press conferences at the races and, and, and you did some stuff with her, you know, from, uh, from Portugal. But anyway, our guest today is Kayla Yakov. And uh, I mean, if you think about it, Sean, not too many people had better seasons in 2022 than Kayla. Uh, she sort of, she sort of turned into a real star of our series. Uh, she won four races, including her first in race two at the Ridge and kind of off she went from there. She scored three more wins and 11 total podiums. She finished third in the championship and only eight points out of first. And then, you know, she comes home and she takes off and goes to Portugal and makes us look great by doing so well in, the, in a Yamaha cup race over there. And then now she's at Daytona. So she's, she's obviously a girl that can't get enough of motorcycle racing. She's obviously talented. She's fun to work with. She's, you know, she's amazing in the press conferences. She sounds like she's 
30 years old instead of 15. But uh, Sean, what, what do you think of this girl, Kayla? She's, I know she's one of your favorites and she's obviously talented and she's got huge potential to just be a superstar in our sport. Yeah, she's been one of my favorites for a long time. I, I remember so much when she was younger, when I didn't know her and never met her, when I used to see these videos of her riding around her turn track, which I think, as I recall, is paved and has elevation changes right where she lives in uh, Biglerville, uh, Pennsylvania, which is right near Gettysburg. So um, I've always been a fan of hers and was looking forward to her. You know, I remember when, I remember distinctly, her uh, walking around the Ridge uh, Mini Cup track with Roger Hayden, and she was walking, and so and Roger was walking beside her, and she had her hands up in a handlebar uh, position, and she was going into that little like almost like that mini corkscrew that they have on that Mini Cup, which is identical to their big track. <laughs> I remember Roger? Roger was actually kind of struggling to keep up with her a little bit as she's zooming around on her two two feet motorcycle there. So it was good stuff, but she's a terrific uh, young lady for sure. I'm excited to talk to her. Well, let's bring her in. Uh, Kayla, first of all, why don't you tell us where you are and what you've got going on on what is not an off weekend for you? Yeah, so this weekend we're uh, down at Daytona uh, International Speedway, um, just getting some some riding in uh, on my Kramer 690. Um, I've actually never been here before, so it was uh, just kind of good to get down here and see the track um, before we head out next year and, uh, you know, tackle it in, I guess, what, March is first round Daytona, so. Well, what to, you know, I ask everybody this, we, and we got the chance to ask a bunch of kids this time this year because we went to Daytona, but what, what was, what's your first impression when you're, when you're, when you first of all when you come into Daytona because it always feels like a pretty special place because it's so famous and then your first laps of the track um <laughs> you know it's like I like the atmosphere I think it's good you know uh one of the biggest rounds I, I would say for for Moto America and you know motorcycle racing as a whole but um you know track wise it's it's a lot different than I thought it would be um you know obviously for me too coming off of a track like uh, Port of Mau and then going over here, uh, it, it was definitely a big difference. Um, I, I thought it was pretty tight, um, you know, in the, in the infield, uh, banking was kind of how I expected it to be. Um, and you know, it was definitely a bit bumpy and, and the surface wasn't great, but I think for, for racing, it'll, it'll be kind of fun to, uh, to mix it up here. Yeah. I mean, it's not a very difficult racetrack and, <laughs> Compared to where you just were, where there was, I mean, I, I've got the chance to ride at Portimao before and it's, it's cool because there's so much elevation changes and it takes a little bit to learn it because you're not really sure where you are half the time. But Daytona is actually not like that at all. I mean, if it wasn't for the banking, there wouldn't be any elevation. So that, that it probably makes it pretty easy to learn that track though, right? It definitely easy. I think the hardest thing here is trying to uh, avoid the bumps and, uh, try not to, to touch the paint too much. It's a bit slick out there, but um, besides that, it's, uh, it's fairly easy to learn. You know, Kayla, so Paul knows sometimes I get fired about various things um, on, and, on this <laughs> podcast, and I, and I can fire myself up once I start talking. So hopefully I'm not going to do this, but I think this is a little bit comical. I've had, I've had some fun this year at the end of the year talking to your dad because – 
And he says he agrees with me on this. I mean, you're the same person you were before you started winning races. And of course, you're getting a lot more notoriety and tension now, but you're the same person. You had that same potential. And I know it's results that that make a difference all around the world and certainly, you know, in racing or anything else. But I just kind of laugh because, you know, the last time we talked to you, it was, it was after that that one weekend that was kind of a weird situation for you. And then after that, you took off and you started winning. And there's this thing about once you break through that winning thing, you kind of do more of it. Uh, every rider seems to be able to do that. And I remember the other rider that runs that 31 who you spent time with last weekend at Portamount, it was Garrett Gerloff. Once he got that first superbike win, he started winning a bunch of them in Moto America. So um, it's just funny how you're the same person, right? I mean, you're no different and you had the potential before and you still have it now. Yeah, I think it was, you know, coming out from Atlanta, it was kind of just a bit of a, I, I knew I could do it. I mean, basically that whole race, um, you know, I, I raced it like I would race any other race. And obviously there's, there's a lot that goes into that and me, not really me and, and a lot of other riders, not really being able to see the yellow flag, things like that. Um, I won't get into that too much, but you know, I, I thought that, you know, that was kind of my, my race win, my first one. And I knew that I would be able to do that. Um, you know, I had the potential to do that. And so, um, you know, going to the next few races, I had some bad luck. Um, obviously at VIR with, uh, tearing my ACL and MCL, um, losing my brakes and, uh, you know, at run America, um, being very close to wins in both races and just not really being able to, to have enough in the tank to, to pull me to the line. Um, in a lot of those, you know, a lot of those laps. So, um, once we got to, to Ridge, I kind of, I knew it was a track that it was a rider track. It was something that I, a track that I really enjoyed and a track that I knew that if you are a very technical rider, and know how to you know work a motorcycle well um and have that i guess you could say discipline on a bike you would be able to do well there so i was really happy to do as well as i did there um and a lot of help from stony and rocco landers um you know the whole whole landers racing guys you know all of them over there the entire family is just amazing but you know they really helped me out and and get us to where we were um, from from there on out. And uh, like you said, once you kind of get that first taste of what it's like to win, you you want to keep doing it. Let's talk about your knee. It, it's a it's a common uh, it's a it's a difficult but very it's, it's a common injury in the NFL among these big guys that are running backs or whatever you know any position you can kind of have this happen. Generally, they'll blow an MCL and ACL. It sounds like I think you did both your MCL and your ACL and. And if you want to reveal this now, I don't know if you do. I'd heard earlier in the season, but I didn't spread any news around about it because I didn't want to affect your gamesmanship at all. But I've I've heard the the rumor that you possibly are not going to have any surgery on it. You're just going to leave it as it is. And it what what's the situation on that? Yeah. So uh, you know, going into Road America, we had talked to a couple of different surgeons, and uh, you know, I guess you could say uh, knee experts about what I should do and how, 
um, you know, difficult it would be. And after talking and getting many opinions, um, we kind of decided that it would be best to leave it as it is and kind of just <laughs> power through it. I mean, I talked to a bunch of people uh, in, you know, the medical world, I guess I should say, and they've all really told me that it's not an urgent surgery. Um, I'm still growing. And to, to go into a major surgery like that, I would be out for, you know, eight months. Um, and that's full recovery time. So um, it's, it's one of those decisions where it's really hard to make. And obviously, we're going to put my uh, safety first and look to my future and how it will be then. But they said, as long as my knee keeps getting better, um, I, I should be fine holding off surgery. Um, and, you know, I'm right now in intense physical therapy and working on getting everything else around those areas very strong. So that it's a lot easier for me to use. And, you know, really after I should say road America, I had no issues with my knee. I was, uh, felt pretty good. And even now, like I, I usually don't feel the knee um unless like my pegs are too high on a bike that's kind of something we struggled with at the beginning of this uh this track day weekend whatever here in in Daytona my uh, pegs were too high and it was kind of bending my knee too much and it caused a bit of discomfort but besides that I I really don't feel it and we're probably gonna hold off uh for a little bit I don't know if he mentioned it to you or not, but, um, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about that yellow flag incident, because I don't think anybody wants to think about it, but did you know, I don't know if Wayne Rainey ever mentioned to you that a similar situation cost him a Superbike championship. <laughs> he, he likes to remind us all of that when, when something comes up about a yellow flag, but he also got disqualified and that's what ended up being the difference between winning, him winning another Superbike championship or not. So he doesn't look too favorably upon the, the, the yellow flags. And I think he, he felt for you more than probably anybody. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, uh, I actually haven't heard of that one. Um, I bet my dad would remember something like that, but, right. uh, you know, it is what it is. You can't, obviously you can't go back on it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would understand his pain, especially if it's like a championship and stuff and um, something like that. But yeah. Okay. So, I already mentioned that you won four races and obviously your first one at the Ridge was probably the most special, but I think I, you might've said this, you might not have, or maybe it's just me thinking it, but I sort of believe that your last win of the year was probably your best at Barber. Is that, is that accurate? Or which one was your best win as far as you're concerned? Um, I would either say Brainerd or Barber. Um, I feel like both of those had really strong emotional connections for me. Uh, I feel like, Ridge was very bittersweet because it was it was nice to get the monkey off my back, but it didn't feel like my first win, and it felt as like my my first one was really kind of taken away from me, and so that one wasn't as good. I mean, it was a good ride, but I just wasn't really as happy as I thought I would be going to Brainerd. You know, with everything that went on that weekend with with Scott, it was uh it was something that I really wanted to do to go out and win for him and his family. And uh, I was really happy to get that one done. I, you know, that was one of my smartest rides, I think, all season. Um, and I really did exactly what I wanted to do um, and, and stayed out of trouble. Um, you know, at New Jersey, it was uh, 
it was pretty good to go out there and, and do kind of what I wanted to do um, and, and win by a bit. And, uh, you know, it was good. I just – I never really liked winning in the rain, uh, especially since a lot of people, you know, will say I'm like a wet weather specialist. I just don't really like that term because it's like I, I feel like I'm just as good in the dry as I am in the wet. And But it, it was good to go out there and win especially in front of, uh, you know, some of my family that was out that were, uh, out at that weekend. But, um, you know, definitely Barber was, was great. Uh, I think that was one of my best rides of the entire season. And, um, you know, a last lap pass in front of a lot of people that I knew and basically my home crowd, because I I've been to Barber a bunch and I know a lot of the people down there and, uh, you know, a lot of the people that run, run on the back stretch are a lot of my friends and supporters. So, to, to do a last lap pass like that and, um, you know, win in front of a crowd like that was, was really special and kind of to end off the year on a, on a really good note and um, kind of show what I was representing all year. You know, it's, it's interesting, Kayla, how you feel about the rain racing thing. You probably know this, that Matthew Skoltz is the same way. He hates to talk about the the fact that he's won races in the rain. He, you know, he's won him in the dry, of course, too, but every time it rains, um, they usually think of him as being a favorite. And Danilo Petrucci was that way this year, of course, and it has been that way. He seems to wear it a little bit like a badge of courage and similar to the way uh, Larry Pegram used to, I mean, he always wanted it to rain. I mean, it brings out the the, tr the riders with the truly smooth throttle control and skills. So I think it's a bit of a compliment for you guys that you you can show your prowess in the in the rain, but I get it. And I mean, you you've done both. So that's no issue there. But one of the things I want to talk to you about is something that is what makes uh, Junior Cup SportBikeDraftCare.com Junior Cup Racing in Moto America so good. And it's something that makes racing in any class good. And it's and it's racing in packs and so close together and how, you know, you don't know who's going to win or come out of that group. And we've seen you on the last lap go from probably fifth or sixth and end up winning it. We saw, you know, we've seen the other riders do it. We've seen you lose races by that happening at the line. It's it's really kind of the, one of those deals where it almost seems like you don't know who's going to win. But I know you're a smart rider, and I know you have strategy when you ride. So try to explain to me, really, if it's in the middle of the race, do you want to lead early? Do you want to lead in the middle? Do you want to be a little bit back at the finish? Or how do you want to position yourself? And what's your strategy going into to that final lap? Do you want to try to get a draft? Or would you prefer to get out front and get a little bit of a gap if you can? Not that it's easy in that class. So explain that kind of strategy of how you race in Junior Cup. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, um, as much as it can be fun, especially when you do good, it's fun. It's, it's kind of annoying um, to race in a pack especially when, you know, you have guys that are, might be slower, but get drawn back into the group, to the group because, uh, because of the draft. So um, when I'm racing in a pack, it, it all depends on the track and how I'm feeling that weekend um, as well as who I'm riding with, because each weekend, you know, we have one or two guys that don't usually run at the front that are, that are there with us. So, um, you know, it, it all depends on the track, but, biggest thing for me towards the end of the season was I had a few instances uh, before the, well, I guess you could say at the halfway point where not being at the front really hurt me, but also being in the mix too early hurt me. And it was kind of like, 
what really kind of clicked for me was when uh, Stony Landers kind of came up to me and said, just go out there, ride smart and stay out of trouble. And uh, that, that was before race one at Brainerd. So, um, you know, for me, it was a lot of, uh, for instance, like at a track like Brainerd, um, it was a huge group, uh, probably seven riders at the front. Um, and, you know, it's really hard to gauge. You, you take it lap by lap. Um, it's always good to kind of get, um, I guess, a dress rehearsal, dress rehearsal for the last lap um, early on in, in the race. Um, but also make sure that you don't show everyone all your cards. So it's hard to gauge what to do. And it all depends on how the race is going for you. If you're struggling, it's always good to stay at the front of the group because that way you're not dropping back as far. Um, if you just stay in the, in the draft, like second to third would be great. If you're struggling that weekend, if you're doing really well, you can do a lot of what, you know, me and Cody did all year, uh, which is, you know, sit, sit fifth, sixth, just right to the back of the group, let everyone fight it out and, uh, make stupid decisions and wait to the last lap. Uh, or you, you know, you just, you mix it up, you stay there and, um, hope that the last lap goes well for you. I think each, each time you, you plan for the last lap, you know, eight other guys have the same idea. So it's really hard to, uh, to play all your cards right and uh, put yourself in a good position. So last year you did double duty. You raced in our series in Moto America and you also raced in that R3 Junior Cup uh, our, uh, Blue Crew, well, Junior Cup, it's not called that, uh, Blue Crew European Cup that you raced in in the, in the finale this past weekend. So you raced an entire season in that last year. Then you raced this one race this year, but it was a whole different deal this year. I mean, last year, I mean, we kind of felt bad for you. And I used to think, wow, you know, that R3 is a tough bike to ride. And, you know, but then this year you kind of raced in a spec series with all those Kawasaki Ninja 400s. What changed between last year? And you had good results last year, but you had amazing results last weekend. What was the difference? Um, there were definitely a couple of things that, that played into it. I mean, last year doing basically a full season, just missing Catalonia in the end, because that was the same weekend as a uh, barber last year. But, um, you know, last year, I think it was just a huge learning year for me, uh, being 13 at the start of the season, uh, not really knowing what to expect because all I, all I did before that was club racing and, you know, just doing weir and CCS and not really racing with anyone, um, I guess you could say, at world level. I mean, I've, I've ridden with uh, people like Gus Rodeo and Joe LaMandry and uh, Ty Scott, Max Van, you know, for years. And knowing kind of how they rode uh, was a bit of a confidence boost because I knew that in years past I was able to run with them. But it's just so much different when you get onto a bike that you don't really know yet. And you're just trying to learn, um, you know, going into the 2021 season, I, I actually hadn't been on a 400 until uh, a couple of months before the first round or my first round, I should say. Um, and so for me, last year was just all learning, just learning how to ride in a group, learning how to, to race with a lot of people that were the same speed as me, if not faster. And uh, how to, you know, manage a race when 
you know, you have eight other guys doing the same thing that you're doing and trying to win. Um, I think over the off season, what, what really helped me was kind of to, to step away from it for a while um, after having a few things happen in my life and kind of reassess what I wanted to do with it and uh, really have more motivation going into uh, this 2022 season. And I was able to really work on my riding. Um, you know, the Alts Motorsports guys did a great job of getting us out there and, and training. Um, but, you know, just a huge step in my riding over the off season. And I'm just thankful for, for everything I've, I've gotten through it and all the people that have been supporting me um, throughout this season and the season prior. You know, last weekend, you, well, I didn't know this because we weren't able to watch the race. I saw the results and I looked at the lap charts and I saw where you were at. And, you know, it said, and, and let me just say this before I get to this part. So, cause I know you're going to say, well, I did lead the laps, but I'm going to just tell you, I, it didn't show that you led any laps on the, on the chart, but that's just because that's when you cross start finishing. That's always an issue if you're not actually watching the race. So I have to credit our good friend, Tim Robinson from Go Pivot Cycling, who went over there to watch you race as well as Garrett and Jake Gagne. And he got us some really good quotes from you. And you mentioned that you led the race a few times. And in fact, Yamaha put out their R3, their review of that, that uh, series, that super finale. And you were in the front in that race. So you definitely led um, just not when you were at the stripe, but you said you led a few times for quite a bit at the end of that. And then it seemed like in that last lap, that one guy got you towards the end there, went up the inside or something. What, what happened there? And were you upset about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, race one was good. I definitely didn't expect to be in podium contention and, uh, you know, just going into the last corner on the last lap of the first race, uh, I had a few rear grip issues throughout the race. I feel like just the tires were overheating a little bit um but I just slid a bit out of the last corner and kind of killed my drive but going to the second race um our laps were cut a little bit short um due to the changes made in the in the world superbike schedule and so I knew it was going to be more difficult because uh basically from race one to race two you have the same grid position it's the same for Moto America so even if you you know win the first race you're still going to have to start from 10th if that's where you qualified so with the laps cut down, it was definitely going to be a bit more difficult, but I made my way through a lot, a lot quicker than I thought I would. And, uh, you know, got into second and third place really early on, uh, within the first three laps. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't really show it on the lap charts. And what I kind of want to, would have, uh, worded differently was I led a lot of the laps, um, <laughs> throughout the, the tight sections of the track. Um, everything else was decided <laughs> on the straightaway. Uh, but yeah, going, going to the last lap, um, I actually led for a majority of the lap. Um, and, you know, until probably around halfway through, I, uh, you know, there was a lot of riders that were a lot lighter than I was. Um, and, you know, Yamaha didn't really do too much to distribute the weight. So, um, a lot of the lighter riders were able to get out of the corners a little bit quicker than I was. And uh, so we come up this really big hill, uh, actually the hill that top rack jump. <laughs> and uh, I just got passed on the inside, which I thought it was okay because I would have just drafted to line. So I, I follow him going up into turn 13. I actually block 
uh, because I knew that people were going to try to make a good pass on me because, you know, everyone wants to, to get into at least that, that second position. And uh, I saw on my inside a kid just sticking his front wheel in and it starts to fold. And I'm like, I, you know what, I'm just not going to get taken out. I'll just let him have this. And then, you know, I'm fine with a podium. I just need to get a good draft to the line. And we just go up to the last corner. And uh, unfortunately, I believe uh, DaCosta, um, I think high sides going into the last corner. And what it looked like to me was the bike was right in front of the, the kid that was in front of me. So I thought that he was going to hit the bike. So I checked up quite a bit more. And, uh, you know, he ended up getting past the bike and uh, just getting a better drive than I did going into the front straightaway. But overall, I mean, it was it was a great race. I was really happy to do as well as I did. Um, you know, seeing some some new people, uh, some people from BSB um, and, you know, actually uh, Harry Cook did that. And he's he's riding BSB this weekend and uh, actually riding around the same pace as as uh, Gus Rodeo. So it was cool to see people that that, uh, you know, race in similar series and that I've seen before in the Blue Crew Cup. And uh, to do as well as I did was was a really cool experience. Yeah, when you were describing the end of that race, too, I, I was nodding my head here because that's exactly what they showed on that highlights video is that one guy went down and it looked like you, you know, kind of checked up a little bit there. And, and uh, you know, it just happened to be a timing situation. But, um, you know, it's weird. And, and you're such a good person about clarifying that leading laps thing, Kayla. You don't have to you don't have to you don't have to put an asterisk on any of that. That just goes to show you that a lap chart doesn't really show you anything. I remember a few years ago when we raced in, uh, we raced Superbike at uh, Indianapolis and get, and uh, Cameron Bobier didn't lead most of the lap, almost every lap around it was Tony Elias, but, but she, uh, Cameron kept getting him in turn one. So yeah. or a cross start finish, I should say. So he was shown for leading a lap that he really didn't lead most of it. So yeah. and that's how we ended up winning the race. Cause that's where start finish is there. So um but hey, I want to ask you something. This is a tough question, Kayla. I want to I want to see if I can get through this in the right way. So apologies ahead of time if I can get this described or, or out the right way. So I mentioned that, of course, the excitement of Junior Cup in any racing is this close racing in packs. And we know what happened with the fact that your race, your second race was shortened at Portimao because what happened to victor there and it's been a tragedy that's happened in these lower junior classes i shouldn't say lower these junior classes uh entry level riders or younger riders and a lot of people have been trying to figure out what to do with this that situation and i've even heard people say well a lot of the issues are losing the back end coming out of a turn so maybe they need to have traction control on the bikes or something i don't know but as a rider out there who rides in those packs um, what is your reaction to that? Is there anything that can be done or is it just the nature of the way racing is, um, in, in those classes? There's a couple of things that go into it. I will say that adding traction control to a, a Ninja 400 isn't going to do much. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's just, yeah. uh, not a, not a great claim, but you know, for, for me, I honestly think that a lot of it is, um, grid size. The grid sizes are very, very large, but that can be said about a lot of things. And a lot of the instances we've seen this year and the year before, years prior, where we have, you know, bad instances like this, um, which are obviously very difficult to deal with, 
um, not only from a rider perspective, but a sport. Um, it's, it's circumstances that don't typically happen. And it's almost like they have to happen in that exact way um, for it to be as fatal as it is. Um, you know, we say that more often than we want, but just the way that some of these crashes have happened are just so uncommon um, that I don't think there's much you can do about it. Um, the safety and especially the, the world super sport paddock, world Superbike paddock is just so high and they do a really good job of making sure that all of their riders are safe. Um, it's just, it's very hard to deal with. And I, I don't think that there's much that we can do um, from a either, either, you know, a series standpoint or a rider standpoint to, to make it better. Um, but like I said, a lot of what's happening is circumstance and it's very unfortunate. And obviously, um, it's something that, you know, no one wants to see, especially as a rider, you never want to see that, but there's not too much we can do. And like I said, if anything, maybe, you know, uh, shorten grid sizes, make them a little bit smaller, but it, it's in every class. It's like that. So it's hard to say. Mm -hmm. Well, she said I that well. Also, also, I would like to add that that age limits are not are not what's causing this issue. Um, a lot of what's happening is due to a grid size and these circumstances, and it's nothing to do with the ages. I understand that a lot goes into that uh, from an insurance standpoint, and you know other things um, as a series. But I think that you know the ages don't play a huge factor in what goes on. Let's move on a little bit here. So Kayla, you're down at Daytona. I know, I know one of the main reasons you're down there is to, I think you already said it was to try to get accustomed to the track, learn the track a little bit for when we go there in March. Now, when you go there in March, you're going to be racing junior cup, as you mentioned um, in the last press conference of the year at, at Barber. I think all three of the people on the podium there are moving up. So what do you have that program in place or is it still just waiting to see how things pan out? I'm sure there's, I'm sure you've created a lot of interest in that paddock and maybe you have more than one offer. I don't know how that, how that works for you right now, but do you have anything solidified for that? Yeah. So for, for twins cup next year, uh, you know, I, I have a few things going for me. Uh, we've, definitely gotten a lot of really good offers from from good people around the paddock but as of right now uh we have a, a pretty clear idea of what we're going to do um and i am really excited for it i think it's going to be a great opportunity for myself and in my progression um and i think it's it's going to be something that i'm definitely looking forward to and it's going to be uh a good bike and a really good team so um it all, it all will work out in its time, you know, in its own time. And um, we look forward to hopefully, um, you know, seeing how it pans out in the next few months. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just really excited to start next year. I think for me, being on the little bike uh, was a great experience. And I enjoyed a lot of the moments that I had in the class, but I really want to move up and keep my progression going and uh, hopefully get back into uh, a paddock 
like the world super super bike paddock um you know do kind of a, a garrett girl off path doesn't seem doesn't seem too bad to me so uh we're gonna keep yeah keep tipping away at it i i think that the the twins cup classes are really good class because i still think the jump from junior cup to super sport. I mean, we've seen some guys do it and do it successfully. Tyler Scott comes to mind instantly, but I do think for the most, for most people, they might need that middle step. And I think you're the perfect person that will show that because obviously you can go junior cup, twins cup, and then you can go super sport or, or whatever. And you're kind of on your way. But I think the junior or the twins cup gives you that little more seasoning that you probably need. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, I could, I could go to super sport if I wanted to. Uh, just the thing is, like, for me, I'm kind of in that age range where I wouldn't really be able to do a full season. And not that I wouldn't want to do kind of what I did when I, go, when I went into Junior Cup, where I did half a season and then a full season. It's just, I feel like Twins is just such a competitive class this year. Um, it's also a lot more affordable than super sport. Um, you know, it's, it's a class that, uh has a lot of potential and a lot of very fast riders and it's going to be something that will definitely push me going forward and uh take me where I want to go in the next few years yeah Kayla so I guess you're saying junior cup you're not going to race in, and I understand that I actually thought maybe you'd think well maybe there's some unfinished business there but it sounds like I mean I haven't heard anything official but just the fact that Gus Rodeo started out the year and he was kind of doing Twins Cup and then he decided to focus on Junior Cup it seems like he's probably going to move up to Twins Cup uh, next year too so it's funny how sometimes you're going to end up in a situation where riders that you raced against in other classes are just kind of climbing the ladder the same as you are so that'll be interesting but there's familiarity there so that helps a little bit plus you'll be a little more in the deep end with some seasoned riders in that class in Twins Cup so I think that's that's a great path I want to ask you real quick about about Garrett because we saw he came over I just think it's awesome that your number is 31 and his is due We've talked about that a bunch before, um, and it's so cool that, you know, you guys were right there, and he was he was in Park Ferme with you and everything, so that was really cool, but obviously, you spent some time talking to him. Um, Garrett's, Garrett's a smart kid, and I think he's doing the right thing. Um, it seems like you seek kind of advice or counsel from a lot of different people. Um, do you talk to a lot of the riders, even from other countries, and, uh, you know, whether do you help them? Do they help you? How does that work? <laughs> I don't think I can help them too much. I think everything that I know, they've probably learned, uh, you know, whenever they were my age. Um, so a lot of what went down, you know, uh, in the Moto America paddock, I, I know pretty much all the super bike guys and, you know, they're all super great guys, um, all very, very fast. And, uh, you know, it, to be close with people like that is, is really cool. And it's really nice to have people like them in, in my corner. Um, and they're all willing to help. Um, so if I ever had a question, you know, they'd, they'd be willing to, to lend me a hand. And, uh, you know, to see Gagne over there this weekend was a really cool thing, too, because I've talked to him a couple times this season. Um, and then going to the World Superbike Paddock, you know, with doing Blue Crew last year, I met a lot of really cool people. And, uh, you know, Garrett being one of them, but also Top Rack, uh, you know, he helped me a lot last year understand how to ride the smaller bike and you know to see him again this year was uh, actually a really cool experience because I saw he came over to the blue crew pit and uh, I actually walked up to him 
and he saw me before I got to even say anything. And he uh, recognized me and he was talking about how uh, he watched some of the Moto America races. So it was, it was really cool. Um, you know, for him to say that I, he saw a big progression in my riding and, um, you know, even with Garrett, he, he told me the same thing. So, um, <laughs> it was, it was really cool. And to, uh, to see people I knew again and, um, you know, if I, if I needed to ask for help to have them there was definitely a really cool thing. Yeah. I mean, I better, I'm, I better clarify a little bit. I guess I wasn't really saying you could give any advice to Garrett, although, you know, he would take it. I mean, I think he would take advice from you, but I'm really thinking some of these riders that were in that R3 uh, super finale, I'm sure you raced against last year when you were there. So it was probably a reunion and talking to them and you guys can share, talk about setup because your bikes are so identical and everything. So I'm sure you have conversations with them, but I want to ask about your, your, um, your father, Dave, who does so much for your program and obviously is always working on the bike in our paddock. But last weekend when with this super finale, is he, is he able to work on the bike or is, do you have somebody that works on it and he, he can't really get involved? How does that work for him? So uh, Blue Crew is like a spec series. So everything that he does to the bike, um, you know, can be done by any other rider and mechanic. Uh, Blue Crew will supply a mechanic. Um, I guess you could say they have mechanics there to work on each bike. It's not really one one mechanic to a certain bike it's just kind of like um they make sure it's everything that the rider wants so that if they don't have a parent there to help them they're still covered so um for for my dad you know <laughs> he's kind of uh yeah i guess you could say a control freak but in a good way to uh, a lot of my my racing and um you know made sure that we got the bike set up exactly how i wanted it to be um you know from the help of uh, really stony landers teaching him how to set up a bike, uh, we were able to really, really do that and figure out how to uh, to uh, get the bike where I wanted it to be closer to what I had on my 400 because the the difference from my from my geometry to my suspension uh, from last year's bike to this year's bike was just so much different. And uh, you know, even Chuck from from Westby came over and helped us out. So. It was, uh, it was really cool. And, you know, for him, it, he was able to relax a little bit more, but I'd say he was still uh, <laughs> running around the paddock um, and fixing my bike up. <laughs> well, that's good. He wouldn't be your dad if he wasn't doing that. He's always seems to be doing something when we watch him. But, um, you know, one more question for me, and then we're going to wrap. So um, I, I wanted to ask you about basically, Basically, so you're going to move up next year. Um, your situation, you're, you're definitely on an upward curve. And you, I assume, it's it's World Superbike, it's MotoGP, whatever you want to do. You Your pathway is pretty open-ended at this point, right? I mean, you want to work, race on the world level. You're already doing that. But um, as, you, as you advance, um, you want to keep going with your program, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean where we get opportunities um you know obviously we're we're open for for new new challenges and um i think for me the clear path and what and what i want to do is all based on my progression and what we see as my end goal and right now um you know like i've said i i like the path that garrett took 
um, to get to the World Superbike Paddock. I really like that path a lot. Um, there's a couple other other things that we have in mind, but that's kind of the way we're looking right now. And as long as I keep progressing and getting faster, I think that that's a, definitely a possibility for me. Yeah, and you know that underscores something that we started the. the the podcast with, and I want to go back to the comment that that person made about Moto America's season ending too quickly, because obviously these riders want to continue racing. Well, in some ways, I, I am assuming that our, our season ends in a way that gives you guys opportunities. I mean, you were able to do that junior cup for super finale, not that you wouldn't have been able to, maybe it would have been an off weekend for us, but you're doing Biketoberfest in Florida. It gives you a chance to kind of get out there and do other things. What's your comment about our season ends too early? Are you okay with it so you can do other things or, or what? I mean, it depends on the year I've had. Um, you know, sometimes you want the season to last longer. Sometimes you want it to, to end right there. Um, but for me, I mean, I think the season went, went well this year. It went by definitely a lot faster than I would have wanted it to, uh, I guess, just from like a, a racing standpoint, a lot of the rounds felt a lot shorter um, than they, they did before. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. I wish, uh, you know, obviously Moto America is doing a good job of um, finding good tracks for us. And I hope the series keeps growing and we can go to more and more places as uh, I, I see more and more tracks being built in the U.S. and um, you know, I, I enjoy the season. I think that the season is decently, you know, you go from March to basically end of September. That's, that's a pretty long season. So there's not a ton of breaks. Either. So, uh, I think it's good and it, it does leave you some room to do some wild cards and to do what, you know, me, Gus, Maz, um, you know, Brandon Posh, stuff like that. You know, it, it gives us an opportunity to go out and, and have fun and, do some stuff that we usually won't be able to do. That's right. That's right. So, okay, we'll wrap up here, but I want to say, so Paul put out some information about our uh, changes in our series for next year. Uh, so take a look at that. The biggest thing is that there's going to be a, a second bike um, in every class, which is a big deal. So if there's crash issues, you can put a different bike as if the frame is beyond repair, you can put a different bike into the, the show and you won't have to be without a ride. So that's a, that's a cool setup. And that, that applies to all of our classes. And we know we've been talking about the schedule for a while. I know Kayla wants to see the schedule too. And Paul tells us, right, Paul, that it's on the verge of being released. We'll probably maybe next week, Paul, is that possible? Uh, yeah, I think next week's very possible. Um, it's close. I would say I have some uh, insight about what might be going on next year, but I, <laughs> for, for, see, for the people that listen, it's going to be very cool all year round. Oh, good. And it's, So you like what there is? I like it. I think the, the biggest thing for me with, uh, with, you know, VIR is like, you know, it's fine. And I understand like, uh, it's, it's kind of like that schedule thing, but you know, uh, I had some bad luck there, so I, I won't mind not going back there, but Hey, it's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I obviously, I've obviously seen what I think is going to be the, 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 the final schedule, but again, we're still kind of waiting on a few things, but it should be okay. But yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it'll work out well. I don't think we're going to get too many complaints. And next week is the, the goal. Yeah, so you guys stay tuned for that next week. Paul said it. It's 
it's going to come out next week. So if it doesn't, talk to Paul about it. Yeah. Um, anyway, Kayla, <laughs> Kayla, thank you for being on with us. There isn't a question we can ask you that we're going to ever be able to stump you on. Your uh, your answers are always heartfelt and very thoughtful. So it's great to get the insight from you on all kinds of subjects relating to racing. So uh, keep keep what you're doing. And uh, as I said, you're the same person you were before for all these uh, great results. And uh, we uh, love you for that. So uh, thanks for being on with Paul and me. Yeah, thanks. Kim. Yeah, I appreciate appreciate you guys listening to my rambling about motorcycles. No, you're <laughs> awesome. And and good luck down there this weekend. And stay safe. Yes, yep, I appreciate it. All right. Bye, guys.